and welcome to episode 108 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always. And this week, with me, you may have won the co-host death battle. It's Ricardo Benavides. Ricardo, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here, Jeremy. Yeah, we uh, took Brandon out. It was a tough arm wrestling match, but you, you know. Yeah. Well, he's, he's 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 down a kidney, man. I know. I know. That he can't that, be a hundred percent. Well, you have to know your opponent, right? <laughs> oh, I love it, man. No, we're just kidding. We uh. We've been dealing for the last hour and a half with some technical difficulties, and we can only get two people on this episode, so uh, you won out in in the wrestling match. Yeah, and rock, paper, scissors. And rock, paper, scissors. Uh, You know, anybody that's listening now, if you could share, rate, review, like the podcast, um, and obviously you can listen anywhere that podcasts are available, and we we definitely appreciate you tuning in. you know, yeah, Ricardo, I, I'm, I'm excited for this, this episode. I was, uh, I was, I guess we, we were, we talked yesterday morning and I had had a terrible morning and you called me at like 1030 and I still wasn't up. And then I think you texted me and were like, it's, it's time, bro, or something. Yeah, I yeah, called yeah. me back yeah. and I called you back and, uh, you know, I think you, I, before you could make any comment about uh, how late it was that I was getting up, I was like, man, like I, I had a quadriplegic morning this morning. And you were like, you, you weren't sure like what that meant, I don't think. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> sure. But uh, I kind of had an idea, you know, that it was just a difficult kind of uh, um, struggling. You were struggling with the morning. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just, you know, it, and it's a thing, man. Like people don't know what you go like. You know, you're when you're up and going and put together, like everybody thinks things are fine, but dealing with a spinal cord injury, it's like you can have one like little misstep in the morning, uh, and it your your whole day kind of turns sideways and you know, it's just uh it's just one of those things, man. There's that, no ordinary days when you are living with a spinal cord injury. Right. Right. You know? Because everything can uh, throw a monkey wrench into it. Yeah, like anything could happen. That caregiver being late. Right, right. I've seen like two or three people that um, I'm friends with on social media that we've had on the show over the last couple of weeks be like, all of a sudden, like, oh, I was having a great day today, and all of a sudden I started getting like clammy and running a fever, and you know, I ended up having like a UTI or. You know, like those are like common occurrence with a spinal cord injury. Um, you know, bowel and bladder issues are like prevalent. Right. And, right. Um, you know, like with me being a quadriplegic, I got to depend on somebody else to help me get out of bed in the morning and get dressed. All the, all the, you know, like things that most walking people probably take for granted. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, blessed every day that I think I can get up. You know, I, I, uh, I embrace the pain, you know, if I have any pain. Right. You don't, you know, if you don't have it, you don't know what you're missing. You know? Yeah. So, I know. No, it's so. true. It's true, man. It's, uh, and, and, you know, I definitely, I definitely feel, you know, when, when, when it's a smooth day, like you're so grateful for it. Right. And then it's like when I have a day like I had yesterday, it's just, that it can't be helped, man. I was, feeling off all day and just kind of uh yeah man it's just one of those one of those things that um you know like 
able-bodied people might not recognize that that people with spinal cord injuries go through so well you know you bring that up but uh, you know it's been six seven eight weeks now that we've been doing this together yeah. and um i have a whole new appreciation for my mobility uh just listening to your great guests on the podcast uh some of the stuff that you've asked me to listen to and then uh coming down here and uh, hanging out with you you know um I would see you at family events, but that's when you're all put together, right? You know, and it's like, right. hey, there's Jeremy. Rolls out of the van. Yeah. Everything's smooth. Has his caregiver with him. Right. You know, but when you're living it, it's totally different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a number of your guests that uh, you listen to them, right? It's like that day you go home is when reality really hits. You know? Right. You know you're injured, but then when you're all alone and uh absolutely yeah. like yeah when i've heard people talk about that a lot like when you you know you get out of the hospital the hospital world or you know i think uh last week anna mentioned that that you it's it's just a reality shock like when you're in the hospital you have like constantly you can ask you know if, if anything's not going right you can ask a nurse to come help or you know do whatever but yeah it's like once you go home and and the lights go out at night and you're you're laying there by yourself and there's no yeah i mean you can if yeah. somebody's living with you you could call them whatever but um yeah well, i mean it's, well, it's your a day's different planned, world right in when you're in the hospital right you have all these things you have occupational therapy right. physical therapy you have your med checks you have people come visit you right and uh, yeah you know i think some of the stuff that happens to people with uh, spinal cord injuries um the people that i've listen to on your podcast are really resilient just like our guest today is right yeah i mean uh she had her um injury when she was 10 years old and and one of the things that uh, i picked up from her was that um a lot of people need to listen to that inner voice right and she had an inner voice that told her to do something different that day the day of the injury or she may not be alive Right. But that's what's really amazing is that sometimes we ignore those things in our busy lives, right? Yeah. You know, because we're so focused on whatever the goal is to do that day. Right. right? You know. Right. So. Yeah. You don't don't listen to your gut. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so our guest this week is, is Madeline Delp. Uh, she was the 2017 Miss Wheelchair USA. Uh, and she, you know, she rolled that in a roll. I don't know why I said roll. And I made a comment to her, too, like something about like taking a, a first step, first step yeah, forward yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, my bad. I'm in a wheelchair, people. Don't don't judge me. All right. No, 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 don't no. at me. But uh, she she used the um, I guess the platform of Miss Wheelchair USA to start her foundation, which uh donates wheelchairs to people in third world countries which is just amazing oh yeah the, yeah. the work they're doing and uh the company that she founded and is the ceo of is called live boundless and yeah i i you know when i was listening to the the pre-recording of it you know i was thinking this gal is incredible you know she went on a a, a beer chase right a beer chip beer what, right that's what she went fear on chase she was chasing fear oh around. chasing fear oh, <laughs> yeah uh, i was thinking oh okay oh, well, well, well it inspired me to do a beer chase maybe. yeah <laughs> right. so you've been uh, you've been drinking for the last couple of days <laughs> yeah in honor so, of uh, in honor of madeline yeah no yeah she that that was another thing i, I did want to mention too about the um 
you know, it was almost like she just wanted to feel alive, right? Or yeah, feel, yeah, exactly. You know, feel like she wasn't. You don't have to be scared of everything because, like, in this with this injury, like you're you deal with a lot, man. Yeah. So you're like you, I like I want a good day for me is like nothing goes out of like out of control at all. Yeah. And that's what she was like. I need to feel out of control basically. And she went around the world and did some amazing things that, you know, she's going to talk about in the interview. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And it's just not for people that are disabled. I was thinking, you know, this gal is living, you know, what she loves to do and you got to find something that makes it your mission in life. I mean, if you're unhappy in what you're doing in your nine to five job and stuff like that, there are passions that people have, you know, it's not going to be easy to do it, but you know, you, you, uh, you know, like her, she, she went on this fear chase and, um, conquered them. And if you do that, you may have a life that is boundless that you don't even know that you can do. Right. And that's what was amazing for this, this message that she has. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I had such a great time interview. I don't know if you could tell from, yeah. uh, from listening to it, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away by Madeline. She is, she's amazing. And, um, yeah, I, I guess let's get to the interview now and we'll, we'll talk again on the other side. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. All Let's right, see. everybody. Here's Madeline Delp. Be right back. This week on the live to walk again podcast, we are very excited to visit with Madeline Delp. Uh, Madeline uh, was Miss Wheelchair USA in 2017. She's a keynote speaker founder of the Live Boundless Foundation. Uh, She's an adventurer and a spinal cord injury survivor. Madeline, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. What an introduction. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited to have you. This is, uh, I I know we've been corresponding for a little while trying trying to set this up. I'm I'm so glad we finally were able to make it happen. Uh, So for anyone who doesn't um, already know your story, can you tell us a little bit about you know, how you were, were paralyzed? Of course. So I was one of the, I guess, more rare uh, injury types of being injured as a child. I was in a car accident with my mom when I was 10 years old, and we were uh, hit by a car who was running through a red light and they smashed into the back side of our car to where I was completely trapped in the back seat. And when the fire um, men and, and rescue team got there, they literally had to cut the the car off of me because it was complete I was just completely surrounded by um by the steel and they were having to manually breathe for me the whole time. So it's like crazy for me thinking about how I, I was pretty much dead (laughs) and they were like saving my life during those super critical minutes. Um, you know, and that's, I guess a pretty normal story of, of being in a car accident. Right. But I, I have a, a really interesting story behind getting in the car. Um, When I was opening the door 
and this is the only thing I remember is, is opening the door and thinking, I need to sit in a different spot tonight. And so I would always sit behind the driver's seat. And I was like, I have to sit in the middle. I just, I just have to. And I never did that. Like for years and years and years, I always sat behind the driver's seat. And if I had sat in that seat that night, I would have been killed instantly. And so I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm like, there is something bigger than I can explain. And, and just having, having that moment of, you know, changing a decision that, that literally saved my life. It's crazy. But, um, wow. yeah, I went on to being in a rehabilitation hospital, uh, here in North Carolina, um, Charlotte, uh, rehabilitation hospital for several months. And it was just me and my mom. She's a single mom. I was her only child. And, um, it was basically the two of us trying to survive and we didn't really have the biggest support system at the time. And so we, we got home to an unaccessible home, a very unaccessible mindset that we were living in of people who just didn't want to accept what had happened. And I felt just utterly and completely lost of I don't fit in this world anymore how can one second literally change how I am accepted in in society like one second I'm thriving in a public school going to church involved with my family and then boom done no more like school was like nope sorry we can't take you anymore church was like what did you do to make this happen and then you know members of my family were were very unaccepting of it so I know what it's like to you know, be completely rejected because of this and I think that's why I'm so passionate about helping people learn how to accept themselves first and love themselves first and know that they are beautiful just the way they are. And then weed out those people who, who act like that. Because as I know, you know, and many people listening to this know, you, uh, you can t see somebody's true colors <laughs> once you go through an accident like this. And, um, and once you see that, you don't have to put up with it, right? You don't have to try to prove to them that you're worthy. You just, you find new people who see you for for the amazing person you are. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I can't even imagine, you know, this, this injury is life-changing no matter what, but at, you know, as a 10 year old, I mean, yeah, that's gotta be just mind boggling what you had to go through. And, and so you're the, the school didn't want you to come back after, um, after you had been injured. So what happened was I was a, a few weeks away from finishing out fifth grade and I, I went back, wheeled into this school. I, it's like so vivid of going in the cafeteria with my whole class waiting there for me and wheeling in and seeing all of their faces the first time they saw me and kind of how they were just shocked. 
And um, for those next several weeks, I tried to get around but the, the school, but the principal went to my mom and said, we are not going to make any changes to be accessible. All of her classes for next year are upstairs and we don't want to move them downstairs. It was just, it was ridiculous. Just like little small changes they could have made, they didn't. And because they were a private school, they, they weren't under you know, governmental enforcement to change. And uh, yeah, that was, that was really eye-opening for me to see how there are institutions and, and people who will say one thing, but you know, when put to the test, they, they aren't caring and they aren't kind. And you know, being, being a truly good person isn't, isn't just talking about it, it's actually doing something when, when it matters the most and caring for those who, who, who are really struggling, you know? Yeah, what, what year was that in? Because I mean, obviously you're, you, you seem very young still, so I don't, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I imagine it was not, not too long ago. So that just seems so mind blowing that the school would be completely unwilling to work with you. Well, thank you. It was in uh, 2004, so I'm 27 now, and uh, I think things have, are changing, hopefully for the better. I'm, I'm not as aware of the specifics on school regulations right now, but um, I would hope that all schools, regardless of being public or private, should be like mandated to be accessible to people of all abilities. Yeah. Right, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've been this, uh, so I was reading your bio, I, I believe on, on the website for yeah. uh, Live Boundless and, you know, something really stood out to me about, because um, like mental health stuff has been coming up a lot lately in these interviews. Um, and I, I saw there was something on there about, um, you know, after your injury and, and I guess probably after going back to school and stuff, it was like the physical, you, you talked about like your physical limitations versus kind of your mental and emotional, um, I guess, well-being and, and how that, you know, how that plays a role and like, I, you know, how we obviously you can see our physical disabilities when we're in wheelchairs or whatever the case may be, but you can't, you know, you don't know what's going on under the surface. And, and honestly, like I've talked to a few people on the show that have, you know, said, well, that's you know, like uh, blanking on the guy's name now, but he had a saying that's what's your wheelchair, like you're, you know, we, you can see our wheelchairs, but you can't see what other people are going through. So everybody has some, you know, something they're dealing with, but um, I, I kind of like the way that you, you had put that on, on your bio about, um, you know, like you had to, I guess, kind of deal with your physical limitations, but also needed to have your mental and emotional, you know, well-being kept in, in, you know, context. So talk a little bit about that journey, especially as such a young girl, when you got injured and, um, you know, how, how is that, how, how, how have you been able to, to, I guess, keep your mental and emotional well-being at the forefront? Of course. I mean, I think a lot of people will look at us and think, oh, wow, that's, that's difficult not to walk. Yeah. But really, 
I think the issue that so many people face and certainly one that I faced and at times still faces is, are those inner demons that really haunt you in a lot of ways. And for me, it was having to put up this perfect kind of happy face to the world. Like I was strong, I was okay, I was making it through. And then at night when I was alone, just just losing it and not being able to hold it together. And I think all that pressure came from, from needing to please people and needing to feel like I could win people back. The, the ones that didn't approve of me anymore or, or specific family members that were very, very hurtful. And, um, oh yeah, yeah, family members who just did not accept me. And so I, I like, I wanted them to come in and I wanted them to, to, to see my worth. And so I, I really dealt with this battle of always needing to be perfect. And, and just like I said, always putting up this strong, brave face and and what that did to me was I realized I was not dealing with, with any anything. I was just burying it down deep and, you know, going on with life and just putting on a smile. But I wasn't sharing anything with anybody. I, you know, I went, there were some really uh, abusive people that came into my mom and I's life and um, at the time, my mom was like, don't tell anybody because we, we can't let them know what we're going through. And so I had that going on. I had the injury going on, um, you know, other things with the school and the church that were going on. And um, I was like, I can't tell anybody what I'm going through because they're going to judge it. And I remember the turning point was when I went to Detroit for... Um, for some spinal cord injury recovery. It was a recovery center. And um, I was 14 and I was so shy and so nervous because like I said, I just put up a smiley face. I, was, I didn't talk much, but just smiled and went through my day. And um, it was the trainers there who would ask the deep questions. And finally it was like, I just broke. And all the things I wanted to say, all, all the things that had been tormenting me for years just came out. And I finally got to talk to people who are just like me. Uh, and that was, that was life changing. And so through the years as a teenager, I can see every time that I found improvement was when I was able to share not just the good things, but the bad things. And and let and be vulnerable with people because when you're vulnerable and when you show that side of you that's not always pretty that's when when you can get help and that's when people can can listen and sometimes it's just saying it out loud that that makes a world of difference um and i'm not gonna lie i have times still today where i have anxiety and panic attacks and they come out of nowhere and it's it's a symptom of you know those demons that I still fight every day I had a major head injury 
this isn't something I've ever talked about before, actually. I had a head, head injury in the car accident. They said that I would not be able to speak or function. I would be a vegetable for the rest of my life. When I woke up from the coma, I was talking and, and doing fine as far as my mental health. And they were like, okay, I guess nothing happened. Okay, she's fine. That's super rare. We didn't expect that. So they sent me on my way. And um, several, like a year ago, I was thinking about, I, I was reading this book on the brain and how trauma like that can have monumental impacts that affect you later in life as far as anxiety and depression and OCD, something I deal with on a very large scale. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had a huge head injury in that car accident that just totally got overlooked. And um, it's actually, it can affect the prefrontal cortex and how it can, we can focus on things with a, like a strong, on a stronger level than most people. And so that causes a lot of anxiety in the, in the depression. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, that's probably a big reason of why these things come up when I think I'm okay. And, uh, you know, we can't overlook the fact that when we go through these major accidents or these major things, you know, our brain has also gone through trauma and we have to find ways to be able to heal ourselves from the inside and, and take that into consideration that it's not just us. It's not us not being strong enough that sometimes our bodies literally, um, are fighting their their own battles you know yeah absolutely I, I, that's that's such a an interesting point because i think yeah a lot of you know going back to the beginning of your your answer there i think that um you know we're yeah like when especially when we're young when we're injured and then it's like you have to depend on everybody else for everything and so it's like if for physical you know for your physical well-being and then it's like, you know, yeah, you, maybe you don't want to burden people with like what you're going through mentally or, or emotionally at the time. So, um, no, I think that was that was very well said, Madeline, for sure. Uh, and, the, you know, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about, I saw that you um, on, on the website that you went on a multi-continent journey of fear chasing. And I thought that was that just sounded so awesome. And I wanted to know what that was all about. It, you know, where you went and what, what you did on that, uh, on your fear chasing uh, journey. Of course. So I'm a huge believer that when we do something we're scared of on a small or big level, that's when we grow and that's when we improve and change. And when I came to this realization in my early twenties, I was like, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to prove people wrong about my abilities, to prove myself wrong, most importantly, and just chase after everything I could possibly be afraid of. And um, one of those things, the first thing was, was speaking. I was terrified to get in front of people. And I entered a pageant, Miss Wheelchair North Carolina, um, which forced me to get up in front of people and speak. And I ended up winning the pageant, going to Miss Wheelchair USA <laughs> and speaking all over the continent. And so 
it just goes to show that that one act of, of fear chasing made me speak, you speak all over the US. Um, but from there, it was like, okay, I'm going to travel around the world through this platform and, and show people with disabilities how they can do adventure sports and travel. So um, I climbed the side of Mount Rushmore, rock climbing, went first paraplegic girl to go base jumping um, in, Idaho, in Twin Falls in the U.S. Wow. And um, swimming with sharks, skydiving, cave exploring, like everything I could possibly get into, I did. Um, traveling around Europe, um, kayaking in Venice, you know, all those crazy things that I could think of I was, I was getting into. But I realized like from there, one of my fears was that I wouldn't be able to use this for good like use what I'd gone through to, to actually make a difference. And so that's when I started the nonprofit Live Boundless. And uh, we started delivering wheelchairs um, to different countries that were needed medical equipment. And I think that's when we really like arrive, right? Is when we find, like you're doing right now with this podcast of when you find your purpose through something so painful and you're like I'm dang it I'm gonna find a way to make this good and and make this something that is a blessing and I think for me it was realizing I can do good in the world and I can change somebody's life and give them independence and freedom through a wheelchair and with speaking give somebody the courage that they need to to get out and chase bold adventures so for anybody listening who's really feeling like they don't have a purpose and they and, and they don't know how to deal with what they've been given, think about what your strengths are. Think about what you're good at and how you can use that in some way with, along with your injury to positively um, do something in society. And... If even just the smallest act of giving back can help your mental health and help your courage and your passion for life in just in just an inexplicable way. I, you've probably felt that when you started the podcast, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, it's it's yeah. I was yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's when you finally find something that you really love doing like you know it's such a great message that you you just the, the way you just put that um yeah it's it's so rewarding to be able to to find something that you love doing and and kind of be able to to go you know go you know full bore on that on that topic or on that uh yeah like your foundation and you know the so the live boundless foundation when did you actually start that um start the process of, of, you know, donating these wheelchairs. And is that the main thing that you guys do there is, is donate wheelchairs? Cause I, I saw on the website, there was a lot of, um, I guess in multiple foreign countries that you, you've given wheelchairs to, which is, is so, you know, that they, I'm sure people in some of these, you know, smaller third world countries can't afford wheelchairs on, especially like how often you need a new one or you need it fixed or whatever the case may be. So yeah, you know, talk about when you started 
uh, Live Boundless and, and yeah, kind of what the goal was then and, and maybe what it's become now? Yeah, so I officially started it in 2017 once I won the Miss Wheelchair USA title. And it, it, it grew, like I had this initial vision that it was just gonna be for inspirational content. And then I had an opportunity arise to do a wheelchair distribution and we raised money for that. And I, to, to my absolute amazement, people actually donated and we raised a good, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars and were able to, to make this happen. And I think, oh, okay, so it's that one step, that one single step forward that makes such a difference to, to start something. Like, I, I didn't think I could start a foundation. I didn't think I could do wheelchair deliveries, but it was writing that email to ask somebody, hey, could we meet for coffee to talk about how this is possible? And then it's just like, a snowball effect of, of how one thing can grow into a huge thing. So, um, yeah, side note, I'm all about just taking that first bold step into something new and you never know what can happen. Um, but right now we're doing one to two deliveries a year. COVID definitely affected that. Um, but my goal is for it to grow to be a more sustainable program where we're actually having wheelchair manufacturing centers in different areas of the world. So right now they're mainly coming from China and I'd rather that people in their own country can make these wheelchairs and then be able to uh, sell them at a, a reasonable price to the people who need them and that governments can can intervene. So that's, a, it's a huge goal. It's something that'll take a long time to work toward, but I have a contact in Canada who can help to set up these uh, distribution and manufacturing centers. And well, that's the, that's the five-year plan to, to set up our first one in South America. Um, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where right now it's kind of a band-aid, right? You're, you deliver one wheelchair, somebody has it, that's awesome, but I want to be able to do something that can continue on by itself, where we don't even have to do the distributions anymore. Right, that's such a noble cause, Madeline, that, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, yeah, we uh, definitely salute you for, for being so, uh, so on the forefront of that, because I mean, that, that's such a big problem in, in, you know, underdeveloped countries, especially getting, getting medical equipment, so I mean, that's a huge thing for, for the disability community at large. So yeah, like definitely that, that's amazing work you're doing. Um, I know that we, like here in the U.S., well, everybody has some issues getting a chair at some point or another. I know I certainly did. And uh, I used a rental, a beat up rental chair for the first four years of my injury, by the way. And uh, it's like, oh God, this sucks. Like, this is awful, but I think if you can remember, if you have a chair, like you're super blessed because <laughs> yeah. how horrible would it be to be in a, a bed all day or on the floor even? I've, see, I've seen that. I've seen people being left on the floor. Oh, um, so, you know, we're, we're blessed. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, no doubt about it. 
you know, you had mentioned that um, you kind of started the foundation off of the back of, of winning Miss Wheelchair USA. How did you get involved with with the Miss U, uh, Miss Wheelchair USA uh, contest and um, that pa- I don't know if it's considered a pageant or what, what uh, but yeah, you know, how did how did that come about for you? Like, when did you get uh, started on a local level, and then then how did it turn into the Miss Wheelchair USA? I'll be the first person to say I never, ever thought I would be the kind of kind of person who could be in a pageant ever. And uh, somebody approached me and asked if I wanted to be a part of the Miss Wheelchair North Carolina program. And they said it's it's not about looks. It's really about how you how you speak and, and what you do and um, how you can affect your community. Um, I actually turned it down the first year. I was like, nope, this isn't for me. I can't do that. And it was the the second year that I ended up doing it and winning. And uh, I wanted to do it because it, it was a part of that plan of using this really horrible thing as maybe something that can be good and, and speaking to people on how they can improve their lives. And once I... I guess I drank the Kool-Aid of, of, <laughs> of speaking and, and doing appearances and having a platform because in pageantry, it's very common to have a platform, something that you do during your year. I, I was hooked. And I think that's what helped me to win the Miss Wheelchair USA uh, competition because I was doing so much and had so many plans and um, that really helped show the judges that I was serious about what I wanted to do through the year. Um, But I think what has, I guess, set me apart is the fact that I I took all that experience and was like, hey, why do I have to be limited to a wheelchair pageant? Why, you know, why can't I go and try to, what, compete in the Miss USA system, the, the general most popular pageant in the world. And uh, I competed several times and became the first girl in a wheelchair to ever make it to the top five in a Miss USA state pageant. Um, most recently uh, in Virginia, I was third so that was it. That was a huge accomplishment and uh, something I'm really proud of. Obviously, I wanted to win and I wanted to go to the real Miss USA, but I uh, hopefully helped pave the way for somebody to do that one day and actually have a wheelchair contestant on the Miss USA stage. And again, it's for those who aren't familiar with pageantry, Miss USA is uh, the pageant for Miss Universe. So it is like the pageant, the most popular pageant in the entire world. And so um, it has never had anyone with a wheelchair in a wheelchair before. And it just goes to show that in the beauty industry, in the film industry, fashion industry, it's, it is still very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they don't, have any diversity or inclusion when it comes to people in wheelchairs and so I think that's something that needs to be broken and 
people really need to push for. That was a long answer to your question of how I got into pageantry, but that that was the journey and um, kind of where I am now. I'm still trying to break break that mold. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, con- congratulations uh, on getting third place in in the Miss Virginia pageant. I mean, that that's so cool that you're you're going out there and, and you know really blazing the trail for for other uh, women in, in with dealing with spinal cord injuries to, to kind of look up to and hopefully follow in, in your, uh, I don't know, footsteps, I guess, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> My um, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's funny because I just actually um, interviewed a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, um, Miss Wheelchair Michigan, the reigning Miss Wheelchair Michigan, Laura Michelle Jackson, who's awesome too. And um, yeah, it's, it seems like such a cool, uh, cool program for, and, and like you said, it's not like about, you know, your, your looks or your, um, anything like that. It's more about what you're doing in the community and, and stuff, which is very cool. And yeah, can, yeah, like I said, again, congratulations. That's, that's so, so amazing that you're, you're getting, uh, getting so far in these competitions to really, yeah, make it, make it accessible for other people in the end. So, um, Oh. Yeah, I know I, you probably didn't think you would uh, know, learn that much about pageantry, but it sounds like you're getting uh, an education here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a pro at this now. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> going to be paying, paying closer attention for sure. Because I, I didn't even realize there was a Miss Wheelchair USA, I think, until I uh, started following you and Laura on social media and so yeah it was, um, it's very a very uh, inspiring program it seems like so yeah and it's not something that um, is as well known as all of the other pageants by any means so it's like it goes to show again that we're we still have a ways to go <laughs> in pushing for that inclusion and in, in this specific industry and several others that are, um, yeah, aren't inclusive at all. So it's, it's good to have these conversations, right? So we can make people aware of where we are and where, what we need to push for and, um, you know, stand up for ourselves. So. Exactly. I could, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the whole purpose of the podcast I just I I like to be able to at least provide a platform to shine a light on stuff that yeah maybe people didn't know there even was a Miss Wheelchair USA uh, competition at this point so hopefully uh we get some more eyeballs on on everything in that you know in that realm and and, uh yeah we'll keep it keep it moving forward um, you know, I did want to know, like, you, you'd mentioned that that speaking in front of people was one of your biggest fears at, at some point. Um, when did you start your, I guess, doing your um, keynote speaking? And I, I read that uh, you had, you've spoken in front of the U.S. Senate and the, at the North Carolina's go- uh, Governor's Mansion, which are you know, pretty big accomplishments for anyone, um, let alone someone who was scared of public speaking at one point. So yeah, how did, how did that start for you? Oh man, I, uh, yeah, I, when I say I was shy, I had anxiety in front of anybody who was new. There, there was the point where I just would shut down. So the idea of ever 
getting on stage, ever speaking in front of some people, even a small group, just about getting the hives. Um, what ended up happening was in, I, I made some progress through, through high school, but I was still very, very reserved. And it was in college when I made this big leap to study abroad. And I went to Germany and was forced to interact with people on a daily basis in a different language. I was learning German and it was something that was so far out of my comfort zone. And I, I really, you know, had to improve my communication skills, but the whole purpose of my trip was to do this senior thesis of accessibility in Germany. And so when I came back to the States, I had to give a huge presentation in front of a board about my trip and about accessibility in, um, in Germany, how it relates to the U.S. and how we can move forward internationally. And when I gave this presentation, it's like the butterflies went away. And I was so excited because it was a topic I was passionate about. And it was something that, that made, made me feel like I was making a difference. And after, after the presentation was done, it, it was like a light bulb going off. Like, wow, when, when you speak from your heart on something that truly makes you passionate and makes you excited, that's when the courage comes. And that's when you realize like that you can defeat all those fears and all that anxiety because you have a singular mission to do something that is not just good for you, it is good for other people. And I think that's really the drive that made me have the courage to get, get out there and speak to organizations and then speak in front of corporations that, you know, official business meetings and at galas and then eventually the Senate. And it was just kind of this, this ladder that, that kept going. And it was the whole time that mission of, I can do something good in the world. And this is going to bring me courage. And you know, before you know it, 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 it's, you know, easy. And you just, it, it flows right out of you. And of course you still get nervous when you speak in front of hundreds of people, but it's a good nervous. It's something that, that drives you and makes you excited instead of something that um, undermines you <laughs> and, and takes, away, um, takes away your courage. But we can all do it, every single one of us, if we, if we can find our passion and our true, our life mission, our life purpose. Um, that's, what, that's what really brings you that confidence. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, I, I'm terrified. I, I'm good on the microphone when I don't have to be with <laughs> people. But uh, when I yeah, th that's definitely one of my fears as well. But you know, you can hear kind of the passion and, you know, your personality is very infectious, I feel like so I can see how you would be so good at it. Uh, definitely. So yeah, that that's very cool. That's very cool that you got involved. Uh, in, you know, doing some, some motivational keynote speaking there. So I'll um, have you speaking in front of uh, hundreds of people before you know it. Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to overcome that fear for sure. Uh, you know, um, 
well, we've been kind of corresponding over the last few months, uh, Madeline. I know, um, you know, we kind of, I hadn't heard back from you for a few weeks or to a month maybe. And then you sent me a, a, an email saying like, you know, like, oh, sorry, it took so long to get back to you. I've been dealing with COVID. I was really sick. And I think, um, you know, I just want to know, like, back to like the fear thing. I want to know kind of what you dealt with. I, I thought it would be a good thing for other people to hear, you know, what you dealt with by dealing with this, co you know, by going through COVID and, you know, like what we can expect, I guess, if and when any of any of us happen to get it, um, you know, like when, when did, when did you get it? What, you know, how, how did it go? Like, what, what was it like, I guess? Yeah, COVID. So uh, it was not the first time I'd have COVID. Several people in uh, my family are working mm -hmm. in the medical field. So I'm, they're constantly exposed to COVID and I end up getting the secondhand version of that. So that's what happened uh, last December. And it, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It kicked my butt. I was, it, it was horrible. I was um, constantly coughing. Just, you have absolutely no energy. And, and for most of us, we have, our immune systems aren't, aren't as strong as others. And so that definitely hit me very hard of, I think a solid month of not really having the energy to get up and, and move around and do my normal activities. And um, thank goodness I didn't, I don't have any respiratory issues, but I know for anybody who, who's predisposed to anything, it just can, it can turn negative so quickly, but with anything, with COVID, with spinal cord injury, whatever your mindset will really determine a lot of, of how you're going to end up. And so through COVID, I just always had to remember like this will end. I just have to rest, drink plenty of fluids and keep the mindset of this is going to, we're going to get through this. Um, now the second time, several weeks ago, it was like six months after I'd gotten the vaccine. So it was like right in that period of when the vaccine, the virus was changing and the vaccine didn't cover it anymore. So I think that's why I ended up getting it again. And luckily it wasn't as bad as the first time, but it was still, it was still bad enough to where I was like not functioning for several weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was going to, that was going to be, that was going to be my next question is if you had gotten vaccinated at any point, either, you know, in that, in between those two two COVID cases so you know you, so you say it's like, like that's my big fear now is that you know I'm, I'm almost six months removed from getting the vaccine so now I'm like well what you know what's uh what do I have to be worried about and so you you're you're double vaccinated and or I don't know if you got I guess or you could have got the one shot one as well but um so it didn't hit you quite as hard but still like pretty bad yeah, I didn't have the coughing this time, which was good. And I um, I kept my sense of smell. I'm, I don't know if it's like, I, lo I lost it completely the first time. Um, so I don't know if like the second time you have it, if your body knows how to keep smelling things or not, but uh, right. that was different. And, uh, but it's just, 
I can't explain the exhaustion you have. Like the first day I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm so tired. I can barely function. I fell asleep like right before I was supposed to do a Zoom meeting that first day and like woke up several hours later and had missed several meetings. It was like, oh my God, what's happening to me? So uh, thankfully COVID was a good explanation to explain all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so. That's a good excuse for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you don't get it, but um, yeah. that's a little bit of what to expect. Okay. Yeah. That, that's good to know. It's good to know. I, I'm happy to hear that the second time around, it didn't really affect your lungs much, or at least wasn't causing you to cough a whole lot. So that, that's like always my number one concern with, you know, anything with this injury. Like, yeah, if you, if you do have lungs that aren't, aren't up to par, it's uh it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky. So. Um, yeah. It's weird. I mean, you feel like this feels like something sitting on your chest of that pressure and heaviness so yeah I think I don't know I haven't done research on this but I know there's like breathing exercises you can do to help strengthen your lungs and make sure that you're keeping them as healthy as they can be so I think for anybody who has that fear or lungs are are a little weaker than normal I have an aunt who only has like one and a quarter lung so she's really nervous about getting COVID and she does like these breathing exercises to help her and um thankfully she hasn't gotten it yet but anyway I'm all about doing what you can do if it's with your spinal cord injury or, or whatever doing what you can do to, to maximize your circle of influence and your circle of control and um you know one thing I, I love about your podcast is like talking openly about walking again, what, what our chances are, what people think they can do. And for me, I don't know how quickly science is going to move forward, but let's keep our bodies as healthy as we can in the meantime and do whatever we can now to, to prep ourselves. I made Right. A very quick transition from COVID to spinal cord injury there, but no, no, uh, something I was already thinking about, so it just came out. Yeah, no, that's good, and that's you know that's that's exactly what we preach here. It's just you know we want to do what we can to to you know keep keep our bodies in the best shape we can to for when yeah when science does catch up and are able to finally figure out how to how to beat beat the spinal cord back into submission. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite thing that you do that's like your your proactive you know I just recently got a hand bike that I've been using quite a bit that I really love and then I um I use this arrow it's called an arrow fit uh it's and it's a little breathing um device that uh, is connected to Bluetooth that you can um, you get on their app and it runs you through breathing exercises and it's and you can change the um, the difficulty breathing in or breathing out and it's very cool and I think it, it's uh, I'm trying to get the guy this guy Sean from the company to come on the podcast to talk about because I think it would be very beneficial to people dealing with spinal cord injuries especially. Uh, who have compromised lungs and and respiratory systems so yeah here I am wow here I am blabbering on about I think there's exercises and you actually have one that is so cool 
yeah yeah it's it's very cool I you know I saw it and it was actually geared towards uh or being advertised towards like um, professional athletes or or Olympic you know elite athletes and I was just like that would be great for somebody with a spinal cord injury too you know so I reached out to them and they sent me one out to try and, and yeah I've been using it for the last probably two months and and uh, I think they were very busy with the Olympics and stuff because they have a bunch of Olympic athletes that use their devices so trying yeah. to catch up with them now to uh to get them on the show so hopefully hopefully we'll have him on here soon but that's yeah. awesome I love that proactivity yeah yeah, yeah I definitely try I definitely <laughs> try um you know and that kind of leads me to my next question for you Madeline um do you you know, you've been injured for almost 20 years now, you know, do you have any kind of health suggestions or like things that you do that are maybe a little outside the box that somebody else, you know, dealing with this injury is maybe newly injured could, could benefit from? Yeah, I, I have a couple of things and the biggest one that's so simple that I wish to God I had done sooner is finding ways to stretch my body. <laughs> it's like, I, I had no idea that if you don't stretch religiously, it's like it turns to stone <laughs> and it's so hard to stretch out your hamstrings and your hip flexors. And, um, right now I'm in a training, like a training regimen for a triathlon. And uh, for that, for the swimming portion, I have to be stretched out. There's just no question. And so I'm going through pretty um, rigorous stretching with a physical therapist and a coach. And I have a standing frame that I use that actually moves. So it kind of gives that range of motion back and forth um, and, you know, laying on my stomach. So those are, aren't too out of the box, but for anybody listening to this, like, it's, it's a must. It will add years to your life if you are stretched out and able to, to move easier. And definitely for science, like if we're able to walk, you can't walk if your like legs won't stretch out all the way. So, so make sure you're stretching. Um, but I think the most, I guess, out of the box thing that I do pretty regularly is I crawl. Like there's a yoga studio in my apartment and I will go down at like 11 p.m., sometimes midnight, and just do laps around this yoga studio for an hour. And I know not everybody has the upper body strength to do that, but you can use your hip flexors pretty well if you have a lower injury to move your legs. And um, if you have knee pads, it can protect your knees from, from the floor. But the reason I love this is because it's like so good for to get abs. I didn't have anything below my belly button and it's gone down a few inches of ab strength that I've gotten. And um, it's also really good for bone density. Like I fractured my hip a few years ago, realized like, oh dang, osteopenia and osteoporosis is a real thing. And <laughs> how can I prevent my, my bones from breaking? So crawling is a great way to get that impact so the bones stay stronger and um, get a good exercise and 
also work out those abs. That's, that's a, those are great suggestions for sure. Um, yeah, I definitely suggest anybody try those out if you can. Um, and then, um, yeah, I wanted to know kind of what your, your social media, or no, sorry, I wanted to know, I saw on your Instagram page, um, your, uh, I guess your photo shoot, your underwater photo shoot, which was very cool. And I, yeah, and you said you were um, training for the Paralympics. And so is it going to be triathlon is what you're going to do training for in the Paralympics? I actually haven't even announced that yet. So I know I was like, triathlon. (laughs) I've um, trained in swimming and racing before. Also, um, not as much biking. That's the, my weaker one, but I'm trained in the other two. And I've always wanted to do triathlon. Um, I know I'm starting a little later, but I was like, I'm going to, you know what? This is what I preach chasing after the big, bold things that scare you. So I've always wanted to do this. Let's go. So I'm officially training with the um, U.S. Paralympic triathlon team and coaching team. And they're, I've been the most amazing coach who gives me like my workouts for every day. And, and we do a video chat once a week and I'll, I'll work with her over the next several years in person and virtually. Um, it's, it's going to be a long road. Like there's no promises. I will make the U S team, but I'm, you know, excited to take this one step at a time and hopefully represent our country and, and show people what's possible. So, you know, if you want to follow the journey, I'd love to have you guys long. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be super hard, but I'm going to go for it. We're going to see what happens. I love it. I love it. That's so cool. Yeah, I noticed on your your post, you didn't say what you you were like, oh, what what sport do you think I'm going to compete in? And I was like, I'm going to, yes. I'm just going to ask her and see if she'll tell me on the podcast. So uh, I'm yeah. glad you did. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, where can people follow along with you? You know, give us your socials and your, your website and I'll, I'll connect everything to the podcast when I put it out as well but you know go ahead and and tell us your social media links and stuff of course so it's pretty easy it's uh my Instagram which is what I I'm mostly on is Madeline Delp like help with a d and uh then my website is madelinedelpofficial.com and then Twitter, if you want to see me do some crazy things like jumping into a pool with a wheelchair, that's where you're going to find it. And that's Madeline Delp <laughs> again. So I'd love to have you guys along for the ride, meet some new people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to be rooting for you, uh, you know, for the, your Paralympic journey. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day and coming on the podcast Madeline this was so much fun of course thank you so much for having me and uh keep doing what you're doing it's so amazing and I love I love the podcast it's it's awesome oh I appreciate you so much yeah and yeah we'll definitely maybe we can link up again and talk when you're getting a little closer to the uh to the Paralympics in in a couple years here oh that sounds great let's do it awesome (laughs) All right, Madeline Delp, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. All right, that was Madeline Delp. Um, I don't know if you, yeah, Ricardo, I was so 
just she's so she's effervescent yes yes good word good yeah, word yeah yeah i i was, enjoyed that yeah. i really like you just her her personality like her um you know her positivity just really shines through man all the time and uh it was a great conversation i i really enjoyed that um and i'm hoping that we can can have her back on when she uh makes the paralympic team for 2024 yeah well you know what what's really interesting here about her is that um she was 10 years old when this happened to her right and uh that um she had some uh unknown probably brain injuries that she describes right so probably some ptsd and the fact that she was rejected by her community right that was heartbreaking man. exactly yeah so uh my hats go off to her i mean you know, yeah, her and her mother for yeah, yeah being able to rally and yeah, and yeah, pull single through mom, something yeah, like that. single mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, yeah, being basically told like not to come back to school, school. Yeah. as a ten year old, shun, shun, basically. By it's your just yeah. insane. And then I, you know, I had to ask how you know you know you're not supposed to ask women how old they are, obviously, and. I normally wouldn't, but you can tell Madeline is very young. So, you know, she said this was only, you know, 15, 16 years. She's 27 now. This yeah. happened when she was 10. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me that, that people would ask her not to come back to school. Yeah. Yeah. And they weren't willing to make accommodations for her. So. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's really heartbreaking that people would act like that. And... Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't really but, know what to uh, what to say. Yeah, one of the other things that, that um, was amazing is the way that she just you know grabs every day, right? Um, you yeah, know, and moves forward like with her. Um, you know, she's a two-time COVID survivor. I mean, yeah. how many people can say that? Right, that's right? crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and so she yeah she got COVID once before, and that was a thing. Like I we had to delay doing the podcast a little while because she had gotten sick again with COVID and um, I didn't even know she had it the first time. So uh, I asked her beforehand if we could talk about it a little bit just because I want, I think it's important for people to know like what, if you do get it, if you haven't got the vaccine or even like her, she got, she got it once without the vaccine and then got the vaccine and got it again at, you know, basically at like the six month mark of, of uh having the vaccine so that that's kind of scary and uh but i'm you know i'm i'm happy she came through through well and she said that that second time that she got covid that she didn't like have any coughing or, or struggle with any lung issues which made me feel way better yeah having gotten the vaccine so um yeah i mean i, I was I, I was grateful that she was willing to share that information just so people can know yeah and you know, again, one of the common threads that you have in all your uh, podcasts when you talk to people that have been injured is that they find something greater than themselves, just like she did. And uh, her foundation uh, for uh, mobility around the world, you know, I mean, if you if you think you can't do anything, you got to listen to this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Listen she, to it again, because right. you're going to be inspired to right. follow your passion. And the, yeah, that that's definitely the the common theme of these these interviews. All these people are so inspirational, and that's what you know. I just 
I follow people that I think are inspiring on social media, you know, cause I try to stay out of the weeds and the, all the, the drama and stuff of, of, of that social media can be because you can find positive, you know, ins- inspiring people like this. So that, that's my goal is to bring, bring to the show is, isn't, you know, just to tell the story of these, these amazing human beings that are living with spinal cord injuries. Um, and yeah, I, I really appreciate Madeline coming on and telling her story and, um, I'm definitely, I was inspired by it and I'm, I'm sure most of you were as well. Yeah. And I, I like, um, the fact that, you know, it goes for even able-bodied people is that you have to take care of your temple, take care of your body. Right. Right. And she's a big proponent of, you know, being proactive because the day will come, like she said, when science catches up and you'll live to walk again. Right. Yeah. So, and that, that's the, I mean, that's been the, the motto of the podcast was to keep, you know, we want to live our best, healthiest life until the day that science catches up and we can get out of these wheelchairs and, and not have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, Ricardo, I was, um, talking to you about forgiveness yesterday a little bit, like when we were kind of discussing what we were going to talk about on the show and I saw a show on Netflix that Sheree had suggested I watch, and I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, a young lady had been shot and paralyzed in an accidental shooting by, like, the town drunk or something, and then she miraculously can all of a sudden walk again, and it's like the whole town thinks it's a miracle, and, like, the pastor or whatever the the catholic priest is the one that gets her to walk again and she goes to visit the man that shot her and he lives in like a dump and it's you know uh she sees a gun like mounted on on his wall and she's like is that the gun you shot me with you know and um just talks about like basically like how much she hated him when she couldn't walk and then now she feels now she just feels sorry for him or something along those lines, but she forgives him as well. And I was thinking about, so, you know, I was in a car accident, obviously, you know that. And most of you listening probably know that. Um, the, the young man that was driving when I got in the car accident, um, you know, we don't really have any kind of relationship now. And we really haven't since, since this happened. And, uh, People, you know, people would be like, oh, man, does, does Brad come in, come and hang out, see you, anything? And I'm just like, no, you know. And I feel like we were never really, like, friend, like really good friends. It was just kind of we were acquaintances in high school. And so I, I was always like, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter. But people would always be like, that's really crazy. I can't believe he doesn't come, like, see you, make sure you're good or whatever. And I'm like, you know, it, he's probably dealing with a lot, right? right? Like, that's probably a heavy, heavy burden to bear. And, and I don't blame I don't blame any, like I blame myself for making the decision to, you know, to get drunk and get in a car with somebody who had also been drinking. Right. And I feel like it just as easily could have been me that was in that car driving, driving and hurting somebody else, you know, somebody else getting hurt as a result of that. I'm more like, I'm thankful that, you know, cause there was another car full of people with us that my brother was in that car and I just think, thank God, he wasn't in the backseat of the car. Because if the backseat of the car I was in was completely destroyed, 
So if anybody else would have been riding in our car, they would have more than likely died. Yeah, yeah. Along with my injury. So, or I mean, or if somebody else was with us, I could have been in the backseat and I could have died. And I'm happy as hell to be alive, right? So even dealing with this injury. But, um, you know, the thing that it brought up to me more than that, because I'm I'm good, like I, and I've always said that. And and like we, the, the accident we got into, we actually collided with two other girls from our high school that just happened to be they were like coming home from like they were like good good kids like coming from their coaches uh like they were two basketball players coming from like their coach's house at pizza party pizza party or something yeah Yeah. and uh they you know we got in a car accident with them and thank god they weren't injured as innocent bystanders and you know nobody else was hurt but um but they were traumatized i'm sure oh yeah Yeah, i'm sure I'm sure. And, uh, but the thing that always bothered me and I've never really talked about it much, but I remember, um, yeah, I went to a local community college here in, uh, in Olympia and this guy Brad did as well. And we would come across each other. I think he, you know, I having to have somebody help me get up every morning. I usually don't start school until later in the day right? until like around 11 or 12. So, um, I would be getting there like right when he was leaving and I saw him once or twice and we just kind of casually like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, kept it moving. Uh, but one day I remember it was pouring down rain, like bad, like as you know, you know, we get these crazy rains yeah. here in Washington the monsoons. Yeah. And, uh, I was getting out of the, the van and it was my old, like full size, uh, van that I had with a wheelchair lift in the back. And I had to, you know, like roll out on that and then wait for it to get lowered all the way yeah, down. The and so I'm just getting yeah, soaked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm getting soaked. And uh, I can see him walking down uh, this pathway towards like the kind of a common area where we uh, would have to pass each other. I would have to go a different different way to uh, get to my class because I had to go like to the elevator or whatever. Um, and I saw him and... I think he saw my van and he didn't know I could see him though. Mm-hmm. And he hid behind a bush in the pouring down rain so that he didn't have to like come in contact with me. And that always kind of stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, I was like buried it, whatever. I was like, what a, you know, I was thinking what an asshole, but, um, you know, as like a, you know, 40, almost 42 year old man now, I'm sure like, and I've heard like he dealt, has dealt with some stuff, you know, as far as like drugs and alcohol or whatever over the years, but um, yeah, you know, I'm sure that was heavy on him too. And I just think like I've held on to that. Like it was never about that he was driving when I got in an accident. It was like a year later, more than a year later, that he hid behind a bush in the pouring down rain so that he didn't have to come in contact with me. That bothered me more than anything. Oh, wow. And, yeah, you know, I, and I I forgive him. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm like, I'm letting that go now. And I'm just, I'm done. That's great. That's, uh, wow. Wow, Jeremy. That is, that's heavy. I mean. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, mean, I don't want to bring anybody down. I'm happy. I'm I'm happy, man. I'm not, uh, I'm just, I'm happy that I'm letting that go. And it, watching this thing yesterday, just like drug that memory back up to me. And I don't, I don't know how it happened or 
where it came from, but yeah, it just made me think about that, and I just am letting that go now. I'm not going to carry that with me anymore. Oh, that's great. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that when you can express that right now, and uh, hopefully Brad, right, mm-hmm. is um, been able to come to terms where he wouldn't have to hide from people anymore. Yeah. Right? Because, um, you know, it was an ordinary day. It was a stupid thing to do, right? But your kids, right? Right? You know, we're eighteen. Our minds aren't even uh, developed until we're like twenty-five. For right. Most men. Um, so, um, you know, I am really. Uh, I think that's one of the things about your resilience is that I've never seen you had sour grapes towards anybody about the what your circumstance. Right. So. Um, well, yeah. Like I know, said, man, it's like I. I completely hold myself responsible for the decisions I made at that time. And, you know, there's nothing, it wasn't his fault that I decided to drink. And, you know, if I would have stayed sober, I could have driven him and maybe we both get home safely then. Yeah. But maybe we get in a worse accident and we're, you know, we both die because I'm driving and I take a wrong turn or so, you know, who knows? Like there's so many, so many circumstances that could have changed what happened that night or I could have gotten in the another the other car instead of riding with him and somebody else right somebody else got hurt yeah yeah so you know it, it is what it is but I, I I don't know I just I wanted to get that off my chest I feel like no that's great so anyway don't mean to bring a no no, know, no, I, no I really didn't want to bring a damper on the on, I hope I hope that people can get something out of of me telling that story well, I, I think they do because I think a lot of people on this um, podcast, the, the theme is is, is uh, um, letting go and moving forward, right? And if you can't do that, then you're stuck, right? And we nobody wants to be stuck, you know? So I'm really proud of you for sharing that story with me, Jeremy. And yeah, I, I thanks, didn't even man. know half of those details. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely something that bothered me. And I I think I just like pushed it down because like as, as men, especially in, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, we're like taught not to express our emotions and, you know, keep, you know, like we don't talk about stuff, right. We just push it aside and, and keep going. And, um, you know, I don't think, I think that's where a lot of mental ill, you know, I don't know about mental illness, but you know, mental it, you, you need to be able and, and Madeline talked a lot about that too yeah. you have to be your your you know your physical issues can easily become mental and emotional issues as well right so if you don't like practice healthy habits I guess um, on those in those other aspects of your life it's you know things can be tough so anyway I'm uh yeah, man. Thanks for letting me uh, let me tell you that story, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming down, and and I appreciate Madeline coming on the show this week, and I yeah, I think everybody uh, will get something uh, huge from hearing her her uh, story. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to uh, like, share, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, exactly. And thanks I for listening, it. everybody. Yep. Thank you, guys. We will be back next week, hopefully with Brandon.